Coming to you live from the Dune Sea, it's the Movie Change-Up Podcast Disney Plus Weekly Review, where each week I, Joe Fricky, and my co-host, Tristan Mayer, uh, we uh, break down this week in Disney Plus from uh, releases to news drops, anything related to Disney Plus that came out this week we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, we got Book of Boba Fett episode dropped, and we got a couple movies uh, dropped. And uh, a little bit of news that we're going to talk about this week, uh, especially re- uh, uh, related to uh, someone I grew up watching their show and their movies a lot. So it'll be a fun, fun discussion. Uh, Tristan, last few weeks have kind of been slow for Disney Plus. We've had some big releases, but no real like small or medium sized releases. Uh, how have you been feeling about Disney Plus this week, or like these yeah. past few weeks even? Yeah, you mentioned that it's a bit slow, but. I'll take it. I'm kind of taking advantage of the slow time here to fill in a little bit of stuff that I didn't get a chance to watch or maybe watch some drops that are smaller scale that I didn't uh, would never have maybe given the time, you know, and I think it's a chance for us on the show to maybe talk about some more unique stuff. I want to shout out something quickly and not quite a topic, but something that I watched on there that I think might be worth a plug, you know, and I think it's a uh, because it's a slow week, I was able to watch it. And that is uh, Betty White Goes Wild. She, Ooh, of course, Betty White recently passed away. Uh, and this is an old special Joe, but it still checks out. Uh, it came out a few years ago. And if you do anything about Betty White personally, you uh, she was a big fan of animals. She was really a- active in like the animal protection and animal uh, donating to shelters and that kind of a thing. So she's very passionate about animals. And uh, so if you want to see Betty White kind of fangirl about something she loves and make you know, fun Betty White commentary is kind of a nature documentary in a way. She's going to all of these zoos and these kind of like safari trips and meeting these animals face to face and t- teaching you about the animals and their their kind of behaviors and stuff like that. I had a good time watching it. And yeah, Betty White, you talk about having memories of a TV show and memories of movies. Betty White has like been in my life for so long and it was, it was a sad loss, but you get to watch this special that just dropped on Disney Plus, obviously in, in correlation with her passing. And if you want to get some Betty White memories and learn some stuff about lions and tigers and bears uh oh I, I definitely recommend checking out the betty white goes wild that was a good one that i got to fill in but yeah you mentioned a slow week so i got a chance to watch something like that and i'm hoping for the next few weeks as we're still slow i'm going to try and plug something smaller like that that isn't necessarily a full topic on the show but something that i think might get uh be worthy of a shout out while you're looking for something to watch in these slower weeks of disney plus uh, well, that's good. You know, that's something I might check out. I was a Betty White fan. You know, her Snickers commercials were great, and then her appearances back on the game shows back in the day. I never really watched the Golden Girls, so I don't have a touchstone to that. I don't really. When I think of Betty How White, dare you, Joe. the Golden Girls is not exactly uh, what I go to. But yeah, definitely uh, going to check that out. Uh, Tristan, you ready to move on to our main topic, or do you have anything else you want to touch on? No, that was my that was my big call out, and yeah, it's a slower week, but I was able to fill in some of the gaps, so uh, I'm not complaining too much. All right, uh, so our main topic we have episode three of the Book of Boba Fett. Uh, this was titled "The Streets of Mos Espa." I'm gonna say a controversial episode based on what I've seen online. Uh, an episode I rather enjoyed, and I think you did as well for the most part. Uh, essentially, the plot of this episode is this watermonger played by uh, Stephen Root, who people might know as the voice of Bill Dotrieve on King of the Hill. He was also in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He was in Dodgeball. He was the stapler guy in Office Space. 
Uh, but he's this watermonger that essentially comes to Boba Fett and says, hey, these people keep stealing my water. I need you to help with that. And then Boba Fett kind of goes, tries to figure out the situation and realizes these kids are only stealing the water because he's severely overcharging uh, for the price of water. And so that's kind of their only way to get it because no one could possibly afford uh, this water. So kind of rectifies. He's like, hey, just work for me. You don't have to steal water. And it's Boba Fett grew his army. Uh, I thought it was a really smart tactic. I, when that happened, I'm like, wait, is this whole thing going to be Boba Fett solves the economic crisis of Tatooine? Like, what are we doing here? What's going on? But I kind of like the way it was resolved. Uh, resulted in a little bit of a speeder chase, which, you know, maybe could have felt a little bit more fast-paced. But all, all things aside, it wasn't that big of a deal to me, uh, this 80s punk kids didn't bother me. I thought they fit Star Wars perfectly. Uh, yeah, we got a flashback scene too. Turns out the Tuscans, not long for this world, got wiped out by the Pikes. Uh, Tristan, what were your thoughts on this episode? You're muted. I was somewhat positive on the episode, not necessarily as much as you. I think the show is somewhat starting to lose my interest a little. Uh, I think plot-wise, it's not doesn't seem like it's has much momentum behind it. I don't necessarily feel like I'm learning much about the characters here or I'm like gaining any insight into their motives. I feel a little bit like we're three episodes in and I, I would like a little bit more oomph, a little bit more direction, a little bit a little bit more uh energy to the story here, especially when we knew they were playing so many secrets and hiding so much and it it, it seems to me maybe they were hiding the fact that nothing happens in the show because mm-hmm. we're three episodes in and there's been very little progress on on anything. Uh but that being said, I, I <laughs> the part that was most controversial here was that speeder chase, and I had a good, a great time with it. Honestly, it was one of my favorite things I've done in this whole show so far. <laughs> uh, I thought the characters were really compelling and crazy and colorful. You know, I think that turned people off a bit because they think, oh, Tatooine, that that has to be like all desert and worn, and I don't necessarily think it has to be. And I think the fact that they brought in these very unique characters of different backgrounds and in a similar way to Luke, where Luke was kind of like this punk kid who lived on Tatooine by himself and was kind of living on the outskirts and not wanting to be like part of necessarily the direct straight society. You know, he was kind of like a, a an outsider. And I think these guys are also outsiders, similar to Luke, but in much different ways. They're kind of like the rebel punks, you know, the, the biker gang, the the car guys of Tatooine who yeah. spend all their all their credits building up their fancy bikes and because they have no nothing else. They said there's no jobs, there's no this or that. So. I, I bought into the fact that they would have these these snazzy speeders and get in a cool chase with it. You know, I thought it was a pretty pretty fun scene. And I think it's pretty telling that the one thing this show did that was unique and interesting among Star Wars things is the one thing that Star Wars fans are deeply hating so far. <laughs> yeah, I thought, you know, I like the episode a lot. I think it's maybe moving a little bit more than how you feel it's moving, but everyone has their own opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Who knows? I'm a stupid person. Um, but yeah, we got the Black Chrysanthemum fight as well, which, uh, you know, I liked. I don't think that's going to be the last we see of old Black Chrysanthemum. I think he's coming back. Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, though, is, uh, so the twins, the twin huts show up who are Jabba's cousins, and they're like, hey, you know what, Boba Fett? You can, you can have Tatooine. Turns out someone else laid a claim to it. We don't want it. We're good. Here, in fact, take this rancor. Have a nice day. 
Something tells me it ain't just the pikes, because I have a feeling the huts aren't exactly afraid of the pikes. I feel like they're on equal footing with the pikes. I'm more and more inclined to believe we're definitely getting Crimson Dawn in this show. Especially, yeah, I think that's a good, a one good thing. Yeah. There was like this little interlude cutscene where they're all aliens, so I don't really know the species, but it was like just like this little thing you see all the time in Star Wars of these little creatures, and you saw this one creature flying and like right above the ground, and this other creature going right about to bite it, and then this bigger creature comes and bites and like basically nabs both of them, kind of tying to the whole Phantom Menace, there's always a bigger fish thing, and I don't think that's exactly just, like, a coincidence. I feel like it's somewhat of foreshadowing of what's to come, that there is a bigger fish than just the Pikes, and I'm pretty sure it's Crimson Dawn. And if not Crimson Dawn, it's at least another crime syndicate, but I, with everything of what people have found of the theme of Crimson Dawn is interwoven into the, you know, theme of the Book of Boba Fett, I think we're getting Crimson Dawn in the show. I think that's a, a good guess. And if you, I know the comic books are kind of when they want them to be, kind of when they don't want them to be. You know, it's like picks and choose by the writers, but the Huts and Crimson Dawn do have some history uh, in the comic books. Uh, so I think that w- it would make sense if they have some level of fear or at least some level of begrudging respect for the yeah. Crimson Dawn. And I think, you know, we saw in the show that I'm afraid of pulling comic book characters and throwing them in, you know, so maybe they will bring in some storylines and even a, a, even a throwaway line here or there, something that would bring that together. Not like I need that, but it's always fun when they throw in those little things that make you remember mm-hmm. other other stuff. <laughs> and know? even like Black Crescenton and Boba Fett have like worked together and worked against each other in the comics. And like, I don't need them on the show to have a full on discussion of, hey, remember that one time when? But like, Crescenton and Boba Fett gave each other a little look in the second episode that was kind of like a little head nod from each of them that it's like, okay, these two characters clearly have a history. If you haven't read the comics, you kind of get the vibe that they know each other. And if you had read the comics, you're like, okay, they're kind of acknowledging that there's, you know, that these comics exist. Yeah, that's exactly the type of nods I like, where the plot holds together perfectly if you don't know there's any history there, but if you do the history, you have that added level of, yeah. of joy seeing it, you're, but you're not at the same time being like, okay, now we're going to stop and explain everything that happened between these two characters for no real reason, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I wanted one thing I wanted to bring up with the Rancor is we finally have another Rancor Keeper in canon, played by uh, Robert Rodriguez's own uh, cousin, Danny Trejo, who does a lot of work with... Uh, Robert Rodriguez is a big fan of the Machete franchise and the Spy Kids franchise. It's always great to see Danny Trejo popped up. And there was a lot of talk in these moments where Boba Fett was talking about the Rancor, but he was really talking about himself. And same with uh, Danny Trejo as the Rancor Keeper, where he was kind of talking, or Boba Fett was talking about the Rancor, where he was gifted the Rancor, and Danny Trejo was like the Rancor. Uh, you know, imprints on the first person he sees and he protects it. And Boba Fett was like, oh, I thought they were bred for fighting. And if you know Boba Fett's history from the Clone Wars, it's like, okay, technically he, uh, I mean, he's still a clone. He's unaltered, but at the end of the day, all the clones were bred and created for fighting. Just like... And in the end, I mean, Jango probably built his son because he wanted a, a successor, you know, someone yeah. that would take on his mantle. So yeah. he was, in a way, bred to be a killer, bred to, raised to be a, a killer. You know, uh, yeah. so he's definitely an element there where he's seeing himself in the rancor, and guarantee he 
rides that Renko, right? Oh, yeah. They they don't have the line of, like, I want to ride this without him <laughs> riding. Like, he's 100% riding it, I'm going to say, even by the end of next episode. And I wanted to say something about with the Danny Trejo casting. It's more than just, like, oh, I like Danny Trejo. He would be a good Rancor. Like, he, if you know his story, fits that scene perfectly. If he's someone who, you know, wasn't the best person in his youth, spent time in prison, and now has, like, changed his life, and he's kind of become almost like this sweet older grandpa type person you know he owns businesses and he has he was kind of in the same way of like the rank or boba fett where he was this kind of bad violent person and now he's calm chilled out and a good like contributor to society yeah i mean danny train was a staple of robert rodriguez so i was just waiting for him to show up in this show and you i wondered like okay is it going to be a cameo is is it going to be like a, a substantial role and at least he got some spoken lines you know he got to ring home a theme <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm not sure if we'll be back for more episodes, but I think you I think, think at least one. You know, he's a, he's part of the Rancor plot. It'd be weird if he just didn't show. Yeah, up I again. think he's gonna be back to like train and help Boba and how to ride it. Um, I'm kind of sad it's not Moochie, but I understand what the story they're trying to tell. That you know why it's not. Maybe we'll get Moochie later on. You know, maybe we'll have two Rancors, one for Fennec Shan to ride and one for. Uh, <laughs> but or maybe. Maybe uh, the big ta- tease at the end of season one, if we get, if they're like planning on a season two of this show, is an older, you know, Maori actress comes up uh, riding a rancor, and uh, Boba Fett's like, "Who are you?" And she's like, "My name's Omega," and we find out that she's riding Moochie. That would be a a nice twist, you know. And look, here's my prediction, Joe. We're not. We're gonna have Boba Fett out there riding around his Rancor, and then middle of his, he's gonna be going good. Of course, he thinks he's doing. He thinks he's hot. You know, he's killing everybody, beating all the criminals, eating them with the Rancor, and then you hear a big roar, and you go, "Oh my God, what's that?" He turns around. It's Amelia Clark riding another Rancor. We get a Rancor fight. You know, Rancor versus Rancor. Nice. It's gonna be the showdown of this. What if it's just Amelia Clark as Daenerys Targaryen riding a dragon? <laughs> yeah, she's like Daenerys, and just starts burning him. Yeah. You're like it's a crossover. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't even make sense. But I am. That would be that would be a moment where I go on Twitter and maybe get a little mad about Star Wars. You know, if they start yeah, bringing I'd, Game I'd of Thrones crossover, <laughs> I'd be with you on that. Of like, okay, what the fuck is this? But you know, yeah, I'm not usually the person that goes on Twitter and gets mad about about Star Wars. But that might that might push me. Oh, another thing I wanted to add is uh, we have another uh, something from animation pulled into live action. Uh, the mayor's assistant, I can't remember his name, but played by uh, the actor, I think it's David Pesquisi or something like that. Uh, he was, I always remember him as the psychiatrist from Groundhog Day. Uh, but in the little speeder chase, obviously like any good chase scene ends with him crashing into a, you know, uh, basket of fruit. And this time the basket of fruit were a uh, thing of Lou runs, which if you're a fan of Star Wars Rebels kind of appears sporadically throughout that show. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's a that's an interesting connection. You know, I'm a big Rebels fan, so it's cool to see that little continuity there. Yep. All right. Yeah, that's. And all... I gotta say, I gotta say, it was cool to see Stephen Root. You mentioned him for a second, but I'm a I'm a big fan of him. Uh, great and Barry. He's that's where I kind of recognize him from, and uh, that he's kind of like the mentor of uh, uh, Barry in that show. Uh, okay. That's a Bill show. Hader's character. That's a show I've always wanted to watch. I just haven't got around to it. I have a long list of shows I've always wanted to watch and just haven't gotten around. Ted Lasso is next up, but I have to go through the process of signing up for Apple TV, and that just seems like work, even though it'll take yeah. a total of five minutes. But 
You can sign up for Apple TV and see Stephen Root in Tragedy Macbeth. He also was in Tragedy Macbeth. He's having a big year this year. Yeah. <laughs> Star Wars, Tragedy Macbeth, Blade Runner, uh, the TV show, Blade, the, the animated show. He's going to be in that next year. So, yeah. He's one of those actors where it's like you, you see his face and you're like, oh, I know that guy from things. And then you look at his IMDb and you're like, oh, I've seen like half, half his movies. Yeah. <laughs> who, who knew? Yeah. Do you have any uh, predictions you want to make for uh, the rest of the season or maybe even the next episode? I do have one prediction. I don't know if it's going to be the next episode, but it's something that I think will happen probably in like the finale. And they've been mentioning a lot that Tatooine at one point had water. It's been mentioned in a lot of episodes here, almost every episode, I would think. And when he saw that tree in episode two, he had a bit of a vision of Kamino and, and Tatooine and kind of like blending these two, the, the planet that's all water. You, you know, he came from this all water planet and now he's on this completely water-free desert wasteland. And I thought that was a good touch, but the more they mentioned that Tatooine was water and that water is like a scarce resource, particularly for the Tuscans that he's connected to. My wild prediction is, is that Boba Fett is going to restore water to Tatooine. He's going to, he's going to some way or another find like a, a consistent, water source and not open it up to the rich and the elite to control Tatooine, but to everyone. And that's going to be his way of kind of like uniting people in a way of Tatooine. He's, he's saying he wants, he thinks he's going to be a crime Lord that brings everything together. But I think we might see him kind of restore, restore water to Tatooine and by the finale and kind of be, be a source of, of life to the people of Tatooine by bringing back the hope of they've had decades of no water. And now he's going to be like, look, I I've made water. You, there's something to believe in here. Or to go, maybe this would be too dark and too like violent, but uh, I noticed, like as you're saying, I think it's Mos Espa is like inside a crater, right? So what if somehow that crater just fills up with water? Like Mos Espa's gone, or maybe you know whatever town it is, and the, but the crater is now filled with water. Yeah, that would be a really dark twist, uh, but I do like it, Joe, and I think. The reason that I want this this water thing to come true is I think it would be really fun for this show that feels kind of inconsequential now to have like a major consequence on a major Star Wars planet. Like Tatooine, we know is a desert planet for for how long, and if he's able to make like a very permanent change to that planet, and that's something that's going to ripple through all of Star Wars forever, you know. And that's something that I kind of I kind of want more of from this era of Star Wars is like big permanent changes to things that we know, not necessarily just giving us what we know in the exact same way we know it, but taking what we know and, and evolving it and changing it. And I think. Bringing water to Tatooine would be such a major shift to that planet that it would be really fun to to see how they work that into Star Wars lore from here on out. Yeah, the one thing I want from like Star Wars, like what you're saying with changing lore and stuff, is just to change how I view scenes I've seen a million times. Like I'm never gonna be after this show and even Mandalorian a little bit. I'm never gonna be able to watch Anakin slaughtering the uh, Tuscans the same way again. Yeah, the show did a great job enhancing the Tuscans. You know that they were very much characters that feel like racial stereotypes and were racial stereotypes and they could have easily just kind of dismissed them or ignored them or put them in a box and i think it was a a good choice to to develop them a bit here and give them some more complexity it was not what I, at all what i thought i would get out of the show but i'll i'll take it yeah it was kind of interesting because like star wars is all about taking these storylines and like tropes that we all know and putting a star wars spin on it and they kind of took that avatar fern gully um Dances with, dances with Wolves, you know, trope, and put it on its head because it's like, okay, these indigenous people, but now our quote-unquote white savior is going to be like an actor that has indigenous ancestry. Mm-hmm. And it's all just kind of flipping it on its head and doing it in a kind of a different way. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that a lot. And I, like you said, you're going to go back and watch 
all of the Star Wars movies where Tuscan shows up and you're going to think, oh, that's that's more interesting now because I actually like mm-hmm. see the variety of these cultures. It's not just like a one note of the raiders yeah. and they, they rape and they pillage and they torture people for fun. And <laughs> that's kind of like very one note for a character. And Star Wars is never about one notes. You know, it's about how everybody's capable of good, everybody's capable of great evil. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's to the theme of Star Wars, Luke's just some random guy and then a farmer on Tatooine becomes like the savior of the universe, you know? So who knows? Do you get a Tuscan Raider, a Tuscan that you put into the corner of like just this Raider who kills could be the one that saves the universe. You know, you never know how, how, how things go in the Star Wars world. Yeah. The one thing I'm interesting too, is we saw the Tuscans or we saw like a, the Tuscan village wiped out. We saw the chief's body. We saw the, um, the kid that he was with. He, we saw him throw his, Boba Fett threw the kid's stick on the pyre, but we didn't see anything from the warrior. So I'm curious if maybe the warrior lived and survived somehow and they'll be back. Uh, Interesting. But, uh, I mean, I could have just missed it. I've watched it twice, and the second time I specifically was, like, looking for anything from the warrior and, like, nothing really stuck out, so. We'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting. I mean, how much do we have left now? Four episodes. Four episodes. We're, we're nearly halfway. Yeah. And it each because we're getting to that midpoint, so this will be their chance to really like kick the drama up a bit. You know, mm-hmm. you get to that halfway point, and it's that's the point where you want to like throw in a twist. You know, throw in a little bit of a wrench to what you think is going to happen, and it could be Crimson Dawn, it could be anything else. And I am looking forward to seeing how they can elevate this. And I haven't been super super into these first couple episodes, but I've I've liked them enough that I'm willing to stick it out and see where it goes from here. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say about Boba Fett before we move on to our next topic? That's all I got, Joe. All right. So uh, a movie that was released in theaters a few months ago, you and I both saw it uh, in theaters, but now it dropped on Disney+, and that is Marvel's The Eternals. Uh, basically, a group of people were created and have lived on this planet for thousands of years, but were told that they can't intervene because their sole mission is basically to defeat the deviants if any deviants show up on Earth. And, uh, yeah, they're basically, spoiler alert, learn that their job is to essentially let humanity grow to a certain point, and so that celestial a celestial can be born from earth and the life on earth and destroy all of humanity and that kind of leads to some conflict because the people that knew the mission are like we got to continue the mission people that didn't know the mission are like we can't let this happen so uh yeah what what was your general thoughts on eternals have you watched it on disney plus have you watched it since you watched it in theaters Uh, yeah i'm excited for this one because i know we are kind of on opposing sides of this uh, movie here because I was a huge fan of it. Uh, it's not my favorite Marvel movie, but it's certainly in in the top uh, echelon, I would say, of the good ones. I thought it was gorgeous. I thought you mentioned the conflict of these characters and they they face with this ultimatum that changes their worldview and changes how they see themselves within the world. And I thought that was a really fascinating take on these characters. And superheroes can often be elevated to like these larger than life characters who don't really have any relatable problems and are just kind of cool, especially in the Marvel Universe. It's like they're there to be fun and they're there to be cool and they have some some complexity, but you're not really, like, thinking about the deep morals of what Iron Man is doing. You know, you're just like, oh, it's cool because it's Tony Stark and he has this, this growth as a character. And I thought this was really fascinating to watch and I was really into a lot of the characters. I think there are some pacing problems because they have a very large cast and not uh, 
none of them are, have been established at all in any movies before this. So they had to do a lot of heavy lifting to get these characters in our minds and make us care about them. But for me, it did work. I felt invested. And like you said, when that conflict comes of what side do they pick and where do they go from here? I was very emotionally attached to it. When I, it was one of those movies where the emotions kind of outweighed the, the plot in some way, where I was very invested in the themes and the emotions of the characters. And it, there are things you can point to in the plot that kind of start to fall apart a little bit. But for me, it was it was a gorgeous enough movie and a thematically compelling enough movie that I could look past some of the flaws that people were talking about. And yeah, I had a, I had a really good time with this. I rewatched on Disney Plus because they have the IMAX scenes put in, the IMAX ratio. Uh, so I was curious to check that out, and it looks real good at IMAX. So I'm I'm happy for Disney Plus for putting that IMAX ratio on there, despite some of the feedback from the directors. I like that the option is there for people who want it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, I, I it was solid. It was good. I think after I've only seen it the one time. I have to watch it again before I can rank it amongst the other MCU movies because I don't think it's necessarily fair to rank a movie you've seen once alongside movies you've seen four, five, six times. Um, but yeah, I th- I don't remember if I talked about it on air or off air or when, but I think my major problem with this movie is they couldn't find the right balance between being a movie about Gemma Chan's character and being an ensemble movie. And it just felt like it was never enough about Gemma Chan's character to make me feel invested about her, but it wasn't enough about the main, you know, the overall ensemble cast as a whole to make me feel invested in any of them outside of her character and so it was just kind of this weird middle ground that I don't think it just ever for me didn't ever find that balance of like okay are we about Jim and Chan's character or are we an ensemble movie because I couldn't ever figure it out and it was never one way enough for me to care yeah I think that's something that's going to turn people it's going to be what makes or breaks you I think is the characters and whether or not you buy into them and Mm -hmm. the fact that they're all new characters makes it hard especially in Marvel that kind of thrives on its repeating characters and like the characters you've built up for 10 years of caring about that you you're seeing them each entry uh going through stuff that you've, you've pre-invested in these characters and for me it was additionally exciting that i didn't know any of these characters it was fun to go in i knew nothing about the eternals like i knew their basic basic who they were and their power sets and that's pretty much it like i knew who they were as characters but i didn't know anything about their stories or anything like that so it was really refreshing for a Marvel movie to go in and be like i know nothing because i never had the courage to delve into the cosmic side of Marvel comics. It was uh, way too out of there for me. <laughs> yep. So yeah, if you think the movie Eternals is, is crazy and confusing and has a lot of wild sci-fi space stuff, like the comics are, are way above the, it's You talk about crazy cosmic, like that's mm-hmm. going to go crazy cosmic and Marvel is starting their cosmic era. You know, they, they have, they had that sprinkled in with guardians and Thor Ragnarok, but they're really going into the cosmic side of things this round between Doctor Strange and, and uh, Ant-Man, Quantumania. Those are all going pretty cosmic. So it's going to be, of course, Guardians 3. So yeah, this will be one that'll be interesting to look back on in a few years and see how people feel about it. But I'm glad it's on Disney+. Plus and I've been seeing people who didn't watch it in theaters because of uh, the, the health situation of the world and things like that. So they didn't feel safe going into the theater. Uh, now I think it's exciting they finally get a chance to watch it and I've been seeing a lot of positive feedback so I I can see this being one where it got a bit of a hate when it came out but maybe people will look back on it and see the virtues that it was going for more so than the faults that it fell into oh uh, yeah I definitely I definitely feel like it could be somewhat more divisive a lot more divisive than most 
uh, Marvel movies, I feel like there's definitely going to be people that love it and people like me that are just like, hey, it wasn't for me. Where I feel like most Marvel movies are... I feel like Eternals, the ceiling on it for certain people is going to be higher than most other Marvel movies. Because uh, I feel like for the most part, like everyone's going to walk out of a Marvel movie and being like, yeah, that was good, I enjoyed it, and like that's kind of it. But I feel like this one at least has a higher ceiling for certain people. But other people could walk out of this and just be like, yeah, no, I don't care. Yeah, I think it's very possible that if you've gotten a little bit jaded by the Marvel Universe and you want something that feels and looks different than the rest of the Marvel Universe, this could be one that kind of draws you in a little bit more. But yeah. I do think if you're not a superhero person, you're if you're entirely sick of the, of the, these like powerful people uh, and their, their superpowers, <laughs> you know, there's laser eyes in this and there's like, there's like demon dogs they fight in this. It very much is still a superhero movie. So I think if you're completely hating superhero stuff, it might not turn you over. But I think if you, if you have if you have interest in Chloe Zhao's work after Nomadland or uh, the the writer, and you like her work and you want to see what she did did with this big budget action movie, it's it's interesting to see what she brought to it. And you have that clash of this artsy indie director coming into like a huge studio blockbuster. <laughs> so there's like a lot of weird choices but yeah i i like that it made weird choices and you said that marvel movies do tend to kind of aim for the largest spread possible you know they want to have that buck wild widespread blast that hits about everyone they possibly can hit and it was refreshing to see them be like okay we're gonna go for like a specific demographic here even if it did not necessarily work out for them in the end yeah (laughs) it was cool to see them try it once and maybe never try it again because this one didn't go so well for them financially or critically All right, you ready to move on to our next uh, topic? I'm ready. All right, so we got some news that dropped uh, basically Friday today, you know, depending on when you're watching or listening, uh, that Disney Plus is making a continuation of the Santa Claus franchise via a limited series Disney Plus show. Now, limited series is always questionable of what it means to some studios. Limited series means, hey, we're going to do six episodes and, that's it. We're not doing a season two. It's just just this. Uh, other studios consider a limited series to essentially just be like, hey, we're going to do five seasons, but they're all going to be six episodes. So who really knows what this means? Based on the storyline that they've said this is going to be, I imagine it's just going to be a season one. Uh, they said Scott Calvin is 65 years old. He has two kids that have essentially grown up on the North Pole. So if you watched the Santa Claus 3, uh, he had one kid that was born. Uh, so I imagine that Scott Calvin technically is going to have three kids. Charlie, who's a grown adult out living in the world, living his life. And then we have the kid that was born at the end of Santa Claus 3. And another kid born after the fact. And that essentially those two kids never really left the North Pole. He's kind of deciding he wants to retire from Santa and reintroduce his kids back into real life in the real Hmm. world. Um, Which I can't imagine is anything you're really going to get two, three seasons out of. So I definitely think this is going to be a one season, seven episode, eight episode thing. But I'm also questioning potentially, is this going to be a thing where they kind of have a fake time jump uh, where they pretend more time has passed than actually has passed in the one of his kids that was raised on even though the last movie came out in 2006 so technically they should only be about 15 if his kid's like 20 
and the whole plot, I guess, is him also looking for the next Santa. So I'm curious if they're going to do a thing where he has, like, a 20-year-old kid, and that kid ends up like, oh, I'm looking for my next Santa with my kids. And then at the end, he's like, oh, my kid is the one that should be Santa. And uh, do it that. should be probably Anna Kendrick. Yeah. And do, like, that whole thing. And then that season two is, like, that kid being Santa. And uh, But who knows? It's nothing I'm, like, jumping for joy. Like, hell yeah, more Santa Claus. But as someone who watched the Santa Claus trilogy this Christmas, uh, the first one, to me, is a good movie. I think you could consider it a Christmas classic one you gather the family around. Two is solid. Doesn't really taint the legacy of the first one. It's not as good, but it's not bad. The third one's just not good. You know, the whole (laughs) Martin Short, Jack Frost thing is not great. Uh, But Tristan, what's your thoughts on this news? Yeah, I mean, you say the Santa Claus trilogy, that almost made me laugh because I'm like, oh, I guess so. You know, they made three of them. It is. That's a trilogy, man. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I had some great memories of the first Santa Claus. I mean, that's, I think we grew up in the perfect era when it dropped. You know, like that was definitely one that I watched a lot when I was a kid. Uh, It was a Christmas staple. And Tim Allen, I watched Home Improvement a lot when I was a kid. So it was like, oh, you get the guy from Home Improvement, Santa, in in the movie. So I I liked watching it a lot. And it was one of my aunt's favorite movies, too. Uh, so we watched a lot as a family. So that's definitely one that I have a lot of memories for. And yeah, I'll be watching this for sure. You know, it sounds pleasant. It sounds like a nice, like, enjoyable Christmas romp, you know, and family fun. Santa Claus is back. The family's back. I'm sure we're going to get, you know, some cameos from the series and things like that. And we're going to yeah, get. One the, yeah, I was going to bring that up. One of the sad things about it, though, is. You had the actor that played, like, one of my favorite aspects of this franchise was all of the other, like, mythical characters, like Father Time and Mother Nature and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny and those type of characters. But Peter Boyle, who played Father Time, has, you know, since passed. Art LaFleur, who played the Tooth Fairy, has recently uh, passed away as well. Uh, So I'm curious if they're just going to bring in other actors and they're kind of just going to imply that the same thing that happens with Santa Claus happens with the other characters too, of like the characters retire and other ones replace them. Uh, I think it would be hilarious if they brought in the rock as the tooth fairy. <laughs> that would be really good. That's a good call. I think that would be hilarious. And I do like that idea of they're also past the mantle on. So he's kind of like the last one left who hasn't done it. Maybe he's like yeah. holding on to the, yeah. to the name Santa Claus too long. And they're like, look, man, you gotta, you gotta give it up. It's time. So yeah. I could see it. And it could be some fun jokes where, like, Tim Allen's, what, like, 65 in this, you said. So maybe the new Tooth Fairy is, like, Selena Gomez, and she's, like, a young young actress. And it's, like, much different era of, of generation clash than Tim Allen is. So he kind of feels like he's being replaced by, like, right. the, the new generation of people. All right. We're 34 minutes into this recording, and we have one topic left. So I'm throwing a curveball. Let's recast the mythical characters right now. Oh, I love it, Joe. All right, so in the orig- in the first two, well, the s- two and three, Mother Nature was originally played by Aisha Tyler, uh, who people might know as the second host of Whose Line Is It Anyway. She's also uh, one of the voices of the main characters in Archer. My pick for the new Mother Nature, if you want to go young for everybody, is Zendaya. That's a really good pull. I think, yeah, they're going to probably go young with that. I think Zendaya is a good pick. Hmm, who would I go with for Mother Nature? See, because I do feel like we could get... See, I, I just watched Scream, so my mind goes, oh, Courtney Cox, my mind goes, Jenny, I started going through the whole cast of Scream right now, and I'm like, well, that doesn't really fit. Yeah. 
I'm on a scream kick for a couple of days, but yeah, I, I do think we're going to go for some younger people. Hmm. Zendaya is a good pick. I don't know how you beat Zendaya. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> Zendaya, Zendaya like... in any, anything yeah. and I'm watching it. Yeah. I watched Malcolm Marie, you know, yeah. I got no standards. <laughs> Was it really that bad? <laughs> you know, I have a ranking of my 2021 movies and it was a nice solid bottom theater down there. Right. Not quite the bottom, but you know, right. in the, in the tier down there. All right. Like, are we going to be the rock? Anyone is going to beat the rock as the tooth fairy of like, I'm sure like some other actors could give a number one. It's the tooth fairy in the Santa Claus TV show. So like, we're not coming for a great performance, but just the rock showing up. And we're now saying that that movie is in the same universe as the Santa Claus movies. I don't, I don't think we beat like the shock. Everyone going on Twitter, everyone on Twitter going crazy. If the rock shows up as the tooth fairy, right? (laughs) I think people lose their minds and that's like the one thing that gets people in, you know, it's yeah. like, what the heck? The rock is back is the tooth fairy. Yeah. I think it would be fun. I, I think, look, if I think it would be fun to get into the Disney plus the Disney vault, bring out Emma stone to be your mother nature. That's not necessarily young, young, but mm-hmm. she's, she's a big name and she's in the Disney, the yeah. Disney payroll. So it could be fun. It, it, you're not thinking she's going to be a main character necessarily, but it could no, be yeah, like, like she shows in up like, for like a scene. Yeah, she, <laughs> like I, I think these characters, they all show up in the first episode and like the last episode. That's a good call. So so to me, yeah. if you got the rock as the Easter Bunny, or not the Easter Bunny, the, the rock as the Tooth Fairy, I think as the Easter Bunny, if you got the rock there, you got to bring in Kevin Hart. <laughs> Kevin Hart as Easter Bunny is a really good pick. Yeah, he, especially number one, you have he was the voice of the rabbit in the Secret Life of Pets. He's small, so it's funny. He was replacing Jake, or or Kevin Hart as Cupid, because I believe it was Kevin Pollock was Cupid in the uh, in the original movies. You know who I think would make a good Cupid is is Mark Strong. Mark Strong. He's got the bald oh, yeah. head. He, yeah. I think he'd be really funny. He'd be able to be very hyper serious about it. Yeah, I think that he would add to that because he'd yeah. be able to play it really straight. Yeah. And yet the fact that he's like wearing a wings and a bow, I think, I think it would be pretty funny. Yeah, I, I lead into that. Yeah. All right, who are we casting as Father Time? I feel like we have to like this has to be the youngest person because that's almost more hilarious that they're replacing Peter Boyle as Father Time. <laughs> yeah, you want to go with like a kid, right? Yeah. Oh. So I, um. Oh, what's his face? Um, the kid that was in everything for like the last th- four or five years. Jacob Tremblay as Father Time. <laughs> Jacob Tremblay, that's a good call. I'm trying to remember. I could not pull it off the top of my head for the life of me, but the the guy who plays number five, the young kid in Umbrella Academy, I think he would be a really cool okay. Father Time. Uh, he plays kind of like this time traveling. Uh, he's He's a... He has time travel, but he's stuck in like the body of a kid. So even though he's a, a grown adult, he still looks like he did when he was like a you know twelve or whatever. However old the actor is, <laughs> so yeah. he kind of I thought it was a fun role for him, and that stood out to me as like a young actor who uh, could pull that off pretty well. The kid from uh, uh, Aiden Gallagher is his name, according to Google. Uh, Aiden Gallagher. That sounds that could be right. Who knows? I was thinking the kid from from uh, the Taika Waititi Hitler movie. Oh, uh, the kid that wasn't in Home Sweet Home Alone? Yes. Yeah. I, I like that kid. That kid as Father <laughs> Time would be funny. Any kid as Father Time is funny. Like, this is the Santa Claus TV show. We're not trying to be serious here. We're just going for what gets the funniest reaction. 
Yeah, I think that's good. You could bring in cameos. You could have Tom Howell okay. as Father Time. You want people... Yeah, I was thinking that. I almost was thinking Harry Styles as Father Time. <laughs> that's a good one. He's hot. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's a Disney. He's on the Disney payroll. Speaking yep, he's of, playing uh, Arrow so now in uh, was, the MCU. I feel like I was going to not spoil it, and then you just spoiled it. So <laughs> I was right about my, to say My thing with spoilers is now that it's... My thing with spoilers, especially for like big franchise movies like that, if you cared enough about it to not be to not want to be spoiled, you would have watched it by now. That's true. We are in a unique time where I'm trying to play a little later on spoilers than I normally would. But yeah, that could be fun. Harry Styles, he's he's up and coming. He's got some got a not not becoming as a music artist, but as an actor, he's yeah. really got a lot yeah. coming out. So yeah, why not? Harry Styles, probably time. I like it. Yep. All right. And uh, but because it's the showrunner of Last Man Standing, it's going to be the showrunner of this. I imagine it's just going to be half the cast of Last Man Standing. So expect Hector Elizondo as Father Time or something. Yeah, that's the thing that holds me back from being super hyped for this. Is like if they had a really great writer attached or like a great comedy director or like something that yeah. someone who ran a show that wasn't like mediocre at best, I would be I would be more into it. But yeah. Uh, Man, that not a great, not a terrible show or anything, but not one where I'm like, oh, I gotta yeah. see more from that guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's like one of those things of like, eh, you know, whatever. I don't know. I don't know what name out there would make me. Go- Maybe like the <laughs> I can't remember his name, but the guy that was the creator of the Good Place and uh, Parks and Rec, someone like him. If they were like, oh, he's the guy gonna be behind this, I'm like, okay, I'm into this more. Yeah, they pulled from a show that I was more invested in than. Tim Allen like desperately trying to hold his career yeah. alive for a couple of years in the heat of his his troubles. Yeah. All right. Anything else you got to say about the Santa Claus before we move on to our final topic? I, look, it'll be a great. I, I assume it's going to drop Christmas time. Yeah, you know, it'll that probably would be, be weird like maybe. I assume it'll start like Thanksgiving, like the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, maybe. It'll be great. I'll be in full costume every week, Joe. You got to get ready. I, the hat, what's our, what's, teaser. I don't think they said. What's our guess? Are we saying Christmas 2022 or Christmas 2023? Because it's, it's like ha- a weird time because unless they like – unless this has been worked on for a while and they're just about to go into production, I can't imagine like that they'd be done for Christmas 2022. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think 2023 is probably the best bet. Uh, I mean, they still have. They haven't even announced a cast. Yeah, unless they've been doing it behind the scenes for a bit, hiding yeah, it. Unless this is like, like one of those things where like it hasn't been rumored or leaked because no one really cares that much, and it's like, oh, we only told you about this because we're starting shooting next week. I don't, I don't see how they get this done for Christmas 2022. Yeah, I'm curious uh, to see how that goes because yeah, with the world in the state that it is, it's gonna it takes even longer to film stuff and. But maybe when they say limited series, this thing's going to be like three hour long episodes or something. And it's like, okay, yeah, I can understand why that would be done by 2022. You know what they got to do is three episodes that are like three and a half hours long and, and release them like each day back to back. Instead of just making it convenient, you're going to release it's it gonna all be in real one day, time. one day, one day. Yeah, it's going to be in real time. <laughs> That's how you got to do it. Real time. It's Tim Allen's entire life. Yeah. <laughs> you got to watch, you got to watch 65 just... years worth of footage. Yeah, it's his last week. It's like a Peter Jackson get back style thing of his last week as Santa Claus. That'd be awesome. Yep. You know, he's sitting in the North Pole studio improvising his 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 Santa Claus lines, trying to mm-hmm. figure out how to pitch to the next Santa Claus. I like it. Yeah. All right. So, okay, based on the premise that we know, 
taking final bets is the person taking over as Santa Claus one of his children? Whether it's Charlie or like the two that haven't, we don't really know yet. I think to me, if you're not doing anything else with this franchise after that, Charlie has to be the next Santa Claus. I think, I mean, it's a good not to end the franchise on, you know, he's been part of the franchise from the beginning is Charlie. Uh, so it could be a nice uh, arc for the character. I don't remember how he goes about change. To the, I know he's all older in the third one. He's right? kind of like a dick in the second one. And then he really doesn't have a whole lot to do in the third one. But like the kid never really went, up, but it's the same actor throughout. So I think it'd be weird. I'd be kind of annoyed if they recasted and if they were like, Oh, Paul Rudd is Charlie. I'd be like, no, just bring back the kid again. He's it's a Disney Plus show. We're not asking for like the greatest of acting here. He my was fine in the others, you know. Just let him come back and be Santa if that's how it ends. My prediction is maybe it's uh, a bit of a, t- a twist on that. Like he wants Charlie to be Santa. He's assumed that Charlie's going to take on the mantle, and then he kind of finds out that Charlie has no interest in in being Santa at all, you know. And like he has an arc of like learning that he can't force his will on his children, you know, especially his adult children, yeah. and he has to let them grow up. And I could see it. He hands it off maybe to like a younger daughter or something like that. Someone he he underestimated a bit and said, oh, she's like, you know, I wanted to be Charlie and I've been overlooking my youngest daughter this whole time. That yeah. is a perfectly good fit for Santa. And yeah, it could be nice. That's aggressive without offending Tim Allen. <laughs> you know, you have, you can, you can bring in uh, a daughter and be like, oh, he kind of dismisses her in the role and then says, oh, look, you proved yourself to be Santa. You, you take the Noel plot, but you just put Tim Allen in, in there and you, you make it a little bit better than Noel was. So they're just gonna make bring. So it's the same showrunner. We bring in Caitlin Dever as his daughter. You know, she already knows yeah. how to play Tim Allen's daughter. So boom, there we go. Yeah, I like that Caitlin Dever. Great, great pick. Uh, great uh, pull from that show because oh. like <laughs> she had a good career after that. You oh. know, she's a compelling actress. So I'd, I'd go for it. All right. So our next topic. Uh, so I believe what. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the movie. The Pixar movie. Red something. Red Notice. Turning Red. Turning Red. There we go. Not Red Notice. That's the rock. You know, that's the Netflix thing. That no one, that's not going to exist any. So anyway, uh, Turning Red, a movie that basically sounds like Pixar's version of the Hulk, of this girl, anytime that she experiences like extreme emotion, turns into a giant red panda. Uh, which was going to get a theatrical release and is now going to be straight to Disney Plus, which I believe has happened to the last two previous Pixar movies, mainly because of the pandemic. I think this is mostly a financial move because the uh, animated movies have not been doing very well in the theaters recently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sing 2 did okay, but nowhere near as much as the first one. And uh, Amazon has already pushed uh, Hotel Transylvania 4, which I thought was a pretty decently successful franchise. It's moved that from theater straight to streaming. So I think uh, while the live-action movies are doing relatively okay in theaters, I think studios are noticing that the animated movies are not so much still. So I think that's probably the main reason behind the move. Kind of sucks for Pixar, but hopefully... uh, Hopefully we'll we'll crest crest and move beyond the pandemic, and the next Pixar movie can be a straight to you know straight to theater movie. I really hope so because it's a curious decision. Because when you look at the the year of box office, the the movies that stood the test of 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 the pandemic were family films, you know. And I think Turning Red had a good shot of being that one that 
like brought the families out and was able to kind of have the legs that stuck out for a little bit. And I, I wonder what their thought process was. I would love to be able to talk to like Bob Chapek and be like, so what was the thought process of, of taking turning right off of theaters? And it, I'll, I'll focus on the positives uh, real quick because I do think, of course, there's a danger of going to theaters right now. And it's not a great, uh, not a great move, I think, to be telling people you have to go to the theater to see a movie. I, I'm I, I'm normally a person who's saying, oh, you should see it in the theater because it's the best visual audio experience. You're never going to match that at home, no matter how good your setup is. You're just never going to. And I think that's still true. But like, I'm not going to die to go see Turning Red. <laughs> you know, like I've, I love movies, but I've been avoiding the theater myself. And it's it's a if it's a time where I feel like it just makes sense to be dropping things. Yeah. I don't think it's a I don't I mean putting it out for free on a streaming platform and saying it's not in theaters at all is a weird chant as a weird pull. Like I think their best move would have been it's in theaters and it's also a paid video on demand. But so that could be a good, but of course I don't know if their, their $30 price tag is, is doing well for them. I don't think that works because <laughs> I don't think they've done it since black widow. And it's weird. Cause it seems like it's working for like every other studio that isn't mm. them. Like when, when other studios release stuff, on iTunes day and date with theaters, they do make a good amount of money off of those releases. And it's, it's, I think it releasing it to Disney plus and then charging 30 bucks would be a bad move. But I think if they said, Hey, it's, it's in theaters and, or you could also do like the $20 typical on demand. Yeah. Uh, that would make them a good amount of money. But in the end, they want to draw people to Disney plus and that's their, that's their end goal. I think Disney plus has yeah, pivoted or say. Disney as a company has pivoted to, like they don't care about maintaining AMC theaters or like Regal, you know, they want to maintain their own company and their own platform. And now they see an opportunity to cut out that middleman very quickly. I know theaters are not happy about this. I've heard from multiple like managers of theaters across the country that they're really upset about this, especially because of a somewhat late notice. Like they were promoting this heavily in all their movies. Disney had a, a mandate that they had to show turning red in front of a lot, a lot of movies, the trailer for it. And it does feel like a slap in the face to be like, okay, thanks for marketing our movie for a year. Now we're not going to let you make any money off of it. <laughs> you know, and it's just, it feels very cold. And I know a lot of theaters are, are have had some discourse with Warner Brothers over similar choices. And Universal, too, had some, especially early on, they had a bit of a conflict with theaters. And I do wonder if this comes to a head sooner than later, especially as these variants continue to drag things out and make this last a lot longer than it should. It, it's a shame to see Pixar go from every movie they release is guaranteed to at least get nominated for an Oscar, if not win every single time. You know, like whenever a Pixar movie is in the is in the running, we just kind of assume, oh well, that's probably going to win the animated film Oscar, right? And to go from that to like making TV movies is kind of a fall, <laughs> yeah. a pretty pretty rough fall. Yeah, it'll be curious though if they do the whole like, oh, New York and LA theater release to still make it eligible, and then it still wins. But maybe the movie just fucking sucks. Like maybe Pixar just dropped the ball. The well, you know, it'll come out on Disney Plus. You and I watch it, and we're like, "Oh, this movie sucks." Like, no wonder they dropped <laughs> this on Disney Plus. God damn. It's very possible the director, of course, is uh, not. Was isn't experienced. it the director of Bow? It is the director of Bow. So she has a good short yeah. film up, but this yeah. is her first feature. So you never know. I mean, it could fall apart in the in the feature length. That yeah. that does happen sometimes. And Pixar has not quite been on their a game in, in the last few movies if it put out some solid stuff but none of it's like all-time classic pixar movies you know so you wonder if pixar once the staple of animation once the household name of animation might start to kind of yeah. 
fade off and to be just like another Disney Disney name. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Like it's kind of weird to me how after they bought Pixar they were still doing like Walt Disney Animation Studios. Like I don't know. Didn't really make sense to me. Why wouldn't you just stick your bigger I feel like at that point Pixar was a bigger name brand than Walt Disney Animation Studios. Well, at that point, Pixar still had like a quality control where it was like you know what you're getting from a Pixar movie, you know what you're getting from a Disney yeah. animation. Once, but once we got to the Cars thing, three, you know? then it was just kind of like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like Moana is a, is a Disney animated movie. Not, I don't think it necessarily is a Pixar movie. That's true. Not a toy. Yeah. I I I just don't. I really don't want to see Pixar fall. You know, we talk about a studio that was so fun. We've talked about Star Wars for how long this this episode, and Pixar is like doesn't exist without Star Wars. It's kind of like a, a rippling effect of George Lucas still in the film industry, and it'd be a shame to see that become like this nothing studio. <laughs> I really don't. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I I hope not, and I hope that it's just a a, a fluke of the of the world health. Yeah, crisis. I think it was more <laughs> just like you know everything spiking in animation movies still not being able to recover, but I think hopefully uh, when... But I also wonder partially if, like... I, I mean, Netflix and streaming and all these have, you know, changed the way we consume media, where I can understand a lot of parents, like, being like, why am I going to take my unruly kids to see a movie in the theater when I could watch any animated movie that's ever been released at my house for free with a you know touch of a button yeah i mean the way we consume media has completely changed in the last two years uh, it was it was a long time coming you know streaming yeah. changed uh, it gradually it was like this little drip in the water that people mm-hmm. said oh it's just netflix and then suddenly it was growing and growing and growing and kind of like polluted the whole thing you know and this 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 covid stuff really elevated that and exaggerated it and i think took us a decade into the future in yeah. a year's time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that as well. It's something I've thought even before the pandemic, that there's going to be a point where theaters, you know, are basically the only, like the mid budget and the small budget movies are going to be on like various streaming platforms, but you're really only going to go to the theater for your big budget, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, even your Dune type movies that, you okay. know, you're not going to see movies open to anything under like 120, 130 million dollars. And maybe you'll still have your niche theaters where like you got to drive 20, 30 miles to find, you know, to watch your licorice pizza or whatever. But I think for the most part, the general audience has shown again and again for the last four or five years that they just don't care about like these mid budget smaller movies. It's a shame. I mean, you say that and I want to cry, Joe. I don't want to see the theaters go away. And I think the theaters are a great place to expose yeah. people to step outside of their comfort yeah. zone and stuff they otherwise wouldn't see. And yeah. but also, I, hate, I would hate uh, to see it all turn into content. You know, I, I just don't want I don't want it all to be like stuff that I just inject yeah. into my veins and my cell phone every yeah. day, you know? One of the things I was thinking about this yesterday too, like is everything ebbs and flows and moves in cycles. And it's like, okay, with like these big spectacle movies, we're now at a point where we've gone like full meta in a way, like with Spider-Man No Way Home and like referencing things, like directly referencing previous versions and stuff like that. Is there a point where people just get burnt out? Like with the MCU, like there's going to be a time where people just don't care about it anymore. Like there's, like I don't see a situation where... Kevin Feige is like 
just released four MCU movies the previous year, and he's like, we finished it. We've completed The MCU's over. There's going to be a point where interest dwindles, and they go from four movies a year to three movies a year to two movies a year to one movie every other year to, like, one movie every three years. And it's just going to kind of go out with a whimper, and we're going to be like, oh, I think The MCU's, like, done. There hasn't been one in, like, four or five years. I wonder what the future holds. I wonder if it'll be like beyond our time in decades from now, or if it's going to be, you know, a, yeah. a, a 10 years from now and we're still kicking, making this podcast talking about the death of the MCU. And yeah. I don't know. I think we are hitting a point where some of the general audience does not want to watch all of this nostalgic, yeah. like you got to watch 16 Spider-Man movies to understand this new yeah. one type of stuff. And yeah. I know people who, are not hyper invested into comic book stuff and they heard about Spider-Man they went and saw it and they're like it was all right you know I liked when I saw the other guys I guess but like I think we're gonna hit a point where only the super fans go and see this stuff and Marvel has to get to a point where the super fans are a big enough demographic and the movies are cheaply made enough that (laughs) they can they can make that work and I think when you look at the Spider-Man numbers it's like I wonder if that's the point we're at. I wonder if Marvel doesn't care about appealing to like the the people who are disenchanted by it because they already have enough people who are in, in, enthralled by it that they're like, who cares? Yep. Yeah, when you, uh, in the kind of, I don't want to say the middle of the pandemic, hopefully, but like Jeez. at point of, you know, at some point you're during a pandemic and you had the fifth highest domestic opening of all time. Yeah, I mean, and it's the third obvious movie people hate a, a, like the third movie of a franchise, I guess, with Spider-Man: No Way Home. People made a made a point to see it. You know, you can you can tell that people are willing to go to theaters and see those kind of tentpole movies. I imagine Doctor Strange makes insane money, and Spider-Verse Two makes insane money. Like, I think that these tentpole movies are are going to make lots of money, and what that means for everything else, I I shudder to think. Yeah, it makes me question of like, okay, is this a one-time thing with No Way Home and Doctor Strange and all of these crossover things? Or are we going to have a situation where like, I'm trying to think of an example of like a movie based, okay, like even, so they're doing the Equalizer 3 starring Denzel Washington. It's like, are they going to try to fit um, um, Queen Latifah in there if like her Equalizer character and basically say like all oh, these two Equalizers exist in this you know that are both based on the TV show from like the 80s or the 70s or whenever it was but are they going to have like that crossover to get like the Queen Latifah TV show fans to watch the new Denzel movie or stuff like that or is like Den like the week the movie comes out is Denzel going to appear on that episode of the Equalizer as his Equalizer character like are we going to get more of these kind of crossover events you know between like different iterations of stuff that have happened I definitely think that's what's going to happen you know you look at the way that the Force Awakens created in a way like this legacy character era where it's like we're gonna bring we're gonna do like the the requel and bring back the legacy characters and we're gonna like pay tribute to this larger franchise and yeah. Force Awakens came out, made insane money, and then all of a sudden every studio was like, Let's do the, the legacy stuff, let's yeah. bring back our characters, let's do Ghostbusters, let's do this and that and I I think we could see the rippling effects of Spider Man there too. I, I do think we'll see some some kind of fun crossover stuff. 
and some terrible crossover stuff in the future oh, yeah, from studios. I can't studios. wait for that, the badness to happen. I can't even piss, think of like what's like a franchise that's just like has those previous iterations that are just like not for this or like not meant. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't wait to see it. Nothing, nothing gives me more joy than watching like a dumpster fire movie. Where it's like everyone's firing it wrong, yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm ready for that. Give me some bombs, you know. Give me give me the multiverse version of God. I can't even think of a franchise that's still dull that I wouldn't want that. But Chuck Norris showing up on Walk- the CW version of Walker Texas Ranger as his Wait. version of Chuck Norris. Yeah, you bring a lethal weapon well, four, and you bring in the cast of the lethal weapon TV show. The the guy that got canceled for some reason or another, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and the other guy, it's like, who watched this show? Why are you bringing them into this? And it's like, I feel like, and you think of the Queen Latifah showing up in Equalizer, it's like, did people watch that show? I don't think so. But no, I don't. That would be the kind of thing where it's like, oh, they're pulling some random. No one watched this, and yet we got to tribute it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Power Rangers is prime for it, you know. I think they actually did it, but. Already. Yeah, Power Rangers, how many times they cross over how many times? Yeah. You know, I watched that as a kid. I saw them cross over. I saw all the Power Rangers in one battle scene, Joe. I saw them all do their power moves, all teaming up. It was a moment I came alive as a child. It yeah, was a sure moment that I realized that hope is real. I'm sure you did. I'm chasing that high ever since. You know, the Avengers are nothing compared to Power Rangers. Uh yeah. <laughs> Talk about shaping my dumb taste. Yeah. I was just like looking at my movie list, seeing if like any movies or any franchise stuck out of like that have had multiple iterations that you could bring back, like Mission Impossible. But the TV show was so long ago, and like all of the people from the TV show are dead, that you couldn't really bring them back for the movie. Yeah, I'm I'm curious how this will go. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to watch. I don't know if it'll be good or exciting, but <laughs> I'll be able to. At least I got some some alcohol to carry me through the downfall of of, of cinema. Yep, I'm right there with you. You know. Well, okay, we'll still be here every week covering Disney Plus, though. Yeah. So can't wait for Ryan Reynolds drop... Green Lantern to appear in like a super serious, you know, uh, movie about race, as like with uh, starring <laughs> um, uh, uh, John David Washington as John Stewart. You know. Do you think we get a James Bond multiverse? Do we do we ever see like like a like Daniel Craig hanging out with the new Bond, hanging out with Pierce Brosnan? I'm gonna say no. I think the only thing we could get is maybe Pierce Brosnan gets cast as like M or something, and he has like a reference to like maybe he used to be a agent and like refers to something from one of his movies, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. I don't. Or, I don't see a situation, or in like 20, 30 years, Daniel Craig gets cast as M or gets cast as like a Bond villain and makes a reference to one of his movies. I'm still fully on board with the theory that Sean Connery was originally written to be the uh, groundskeeper in Skyfall. I like it. Yeah, that's one where I think they could easily jump the shark if they wanted to. Like if, if the next couple of Bond movies start to not do so well and they're like, oh, maybe we should bring back Daniel Craig. Maybe we should bring back somebody else. Oh god! Watch that franchise plummet so quick when they start doing. Oh, I was Bond, and they start pointing at each other. You're Bond. I, I'm Bond, and they say, "Oh, what's your name?" And they both say, "Bond." 
James I, Bond. I'm not going to lie. I would kind of be down if they were to be like, in the next Bond is Pierce Brosnan, and it's still this his Bond. It's just like a continuation, but they do like an old man. They're like, we're going to do like some John Le Carre novel style Bond movies with Pierce Brosnan back as James Bond. Hey, I'd be down to work. Doctor Who has brought back how many of their actors for like audio dramas and radio plays and crossovers and <laughs> Doctor Who is a, is a blueprint for pop yep. culture, it seems. <laughs> yep. No one Going back to Turning Red, though, I am excited for it. And, and yeah. it'll drop on Disney+. Plus, so I'll be sitting here in my bed, my bedroom in my pajamas watching watching Turning Red. Just, just like Walt Disney wanted. <laughs> it drops, what, March, right? March uh, no 20, idea, March 11th. March 11th is a release date for Turning Red. All so right. we got a couple of months still, but it'll be a good one to watch I'm, i I was excited for it and i'm still excited for it yep. even though it's going to be on my tv not, uh, not a bigger my, screen my favorite know? animated <laughs> movie of 2021 i saw on my television so it is what it is how many great classic movies you know that's my thing of how many great classic movies have basically anyone only ever seen on their television yeah what i think of my favorite movies like the top 10 or all movies that i watched on my dvd or vh like when i watched star wars for the first time on like a drainy vhs tape and i was fine with it yeah i like godfather great never seen it in a theater you know that's just how it is die hard never seen it in a theater yeah uh i want to do that next christmas eve like you know how like a lot of theaters will do like oh you can run out of theater i want to be like can i run out this theater and watch die hard i'm sure you could a lot of theater. Uh, I've seen a good amount of classics in the theaters, and they're they're super enhanced by the big screen. And, uh, so I want to see Hans Gruber fall on a theater screen. You know, whole theater erupts. You know, yeah. cheer out loud moment. Yep. All right. Anything else you want to talk about this week in Disney Plus before I close it down? It was, it was a good run, Joe. We got to we managed to get a good run time out of uh, not. Not a ton, uh, like a, it's not a slow week, but I feel like we got we we talked a bit about a lot of stuff, and I have one story to tell before we sign off here about about the Santa Claus, uh, and Christmas because a couple of years ago, so me and my family do grab bags where we give each other lists because we have a very large family, so we don't buy for everyone, we just buy for like one person, you know. And yeah. I got normally it's a fifty dollar budget, so you try and go on Amazon, you know, and get it to be like exactly forty nine ninety nine, like get your money's worth out of Christmas, you know, and I got my aunt and I got her list and I pulled it out and I looked at it and the only thing on there on this list of max fifty bucks was a DVD of Santa Claus three. <laughs> <laughs> only the third one. Not even like the whole set. She was like, I need a DVD of the third one. That's what I that's what I want. And that was like okay, I'll spend four dollars. You know, I, I feel bad. I don't know what else to buy you, but I, I'll deliver on the DVD of Santa Claus 3, I guess. I'll always remember that. I'll always think of that when I think of the Santa Claus and Santa Claus 3 in particular, because not a great movie, and I always wonder, I always wonder, why? You know, why did you want that? Why was it the only thing you wanted? You know, the, the thoughts still run through my head. Yeah. yeah. It's weird, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, so without further ado... Uh, goodbye. And let me do this again. Without further ado, goodbye. Hey, thank you for watching the Movie Change Up podcast. We'd really appreciate if you liked, 
commented, subscribed, and shared us with anyone you think might be into what we're doing over here. Thank you. Have a nice day.